from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio and we are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. Hey, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, you can call us live, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So if you've always had a question about your career or the job search and you've not been able to get through, now is the time. We are taking your calls all hour. So I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in sunny Philadelphia. And I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. I am here today along with Dion and Patty McMahon, who will be manning the phones, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, hey, if you're thinking about a career change, maybe you've been thinking about this as a New Year's resolution and you're, you're not sure how to make it happen, today's guest is going to help us with all of those topics. So if you've dreamed of a seat in the C-suite, or maybe you've been looking for strategies to advance your career to the next level, or maybe you're just thinking about making a career switch and you're not sure how to do it. We've got a great guest today who is the author of Crack the C-Suite Code, Cassandra Frangos. Cassandra is the former vice president of global executive talent at Cisco Systems and currently a consultant at Spencer Stewart which is a top executive search firm. Cassandra earned her doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania and has authored several publications with Harvard Business School and with leading industry journals. Her new book, Cracking the C-Suite Code, which she published right here at Wharton Digital Press, is available now for purchase, and she is going to help answer a lot of questions today about your job search. So we're so excited to have her back on the show. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you. So you've been on the show, it was about a year ago, talking about yes. similar <laughs> similar topics, so we're very excited to have you back, and I do want to congratulate you on your first book. So Thank you. So t- tell us what inspired that. Yeah, good question. And I'm really happy to be back with you, Don. So thank you for inviting me and uh, such a great show you have. Um, but thank you. what inspired the book was really a lot of my work as uh, head of executive talent at Cisco. Uh, I really was responsible for executive succession, uh, helping our high potentials uh, reach one of their career goals or helping them uh, think about their career overall. And what inspired me was all of them really coming to me and asking me, hey, what does it take to make it in the C-suite? Because they saw that I worked on John Chambers' succession and helped rise some of our top leaders uh, to get to the C-suite once we changed our CEO. So they thought it was some secret sauce or some secret formula to really get to the top. So I was really just wanting to answer their question in a more thoughtful way. Uh, So I wrote a blog for HBR on the topic, and then HBR called me and said, hey, this went really popular. This is something that people are really curious about, and many high potentials in any level in an organization are really interested in learning more about how top executives made it in their career. Um, So that's what inspired me. I I have to thank most of the um, executives at Cisco who really came to me with that question because it really made me think about how to answer that in a more thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. And that book, for those of you just tuning in, is Crack the C-Suite Code. And Cassandra Frankos is our guest today. And so, Cassandra, you've actually moved um, from your VP role at Cisco, and now you're working at Spencer Stewart. So tell us about your role there. Yeah, so it's really uh, it's really fun in the sense that I worked with Spencer Stewart when I was at Cisco. So they were my partner in helping us in the CEO succession work. So they were helping think about what's the internal candidate slate, what's the external candidates that we could think about for CEO. And it was just such a pleasure to work with all of them. And uh, I got to know them through that process. And they did a lot of the work that I did at Cisco on the advisory side where they do assessments for different levels of executives. We're trying to think about their potential or where they could go in their career or what they could think about in terms of their own development. And then also assessing them for different top roles. Uh, So what kind of 
um, critical thinking do they have? What kind of emotional intelligence do they have? What kind of role would they best be suited for? Uh, and then they also do recruiting. So there's a whole other side of the business that does recruiting for top executives. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Cassandra Frangus, the author of Crack the C-Suite Code. And today we're talking about all ways to get ahead in your career. Maybe you're, you're climbing the ladder, but you realize you're on the wrong ladder and you want to switch ladders. We're going to answer those questions for you today as well. And we're taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON. 844-942-7866. So I have to ask you, Cassandra, as as the you know former talent VP, and now you're working in one of the top search firms. You know, 2018. It's really hard to believe it's 2018, but I you know. know, from a broad, I know from a broad perspective, what are some of the 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 things you're seeing have changed in talent management and in the hiring process that candidates should know? Great question. So I think a few things have changed. You know, one is LinkedIn was always big, uh, but now it's even bigger. Uh, So social media has taken off in a really dynamic way. So, you know, thinking through uh, for your listeners, what's your profile, what's your brand on social media? Um, Most recruiters are at least looking for some presence and they won't find you. Uh, if you don't have a presence. I'm glad um, you said that. Can I, I'm just going to interrupt yeah. really quickly because I, yeah. I wrote an article recently about um, on Forbes about, about, you know, your social media and it's more important than ever. I and saw I saw that. It was great. I, well, I had a line in there that people kind of took that made me sound mean, but it, I basically said, if you're not on social media in the job search, you don't exist. And, yes. you, you know, I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is reinforcing that and it's not meant to be mean. It's meant to be helpful. Like you yes. need to be out there. People need to find you. <laughs> That's so, it's so true. And, you know, I struggled with this with myself, um, I would say a few years ago. And I know Karen Yankovic has been on your show before. Mm-hmm. And she really helped me through that because, you know, I'm more of a, a humble person. I don't like to self-promote. And I saw it as, oh, my gosh, am I self-promoting if I'm on social media? And and then, you know, she really had a, a great talk with me and said, no, you're just going to be behind if you, yeah. <laughs> if you don't put yourself out there. So I really then studied what other thought leaders were doing, what other executives were doing, and then even what Cisco was doing in terms of employment brand and how we were finding people. And so it was all about social media. So I said, all right, I need to teach myself this and I need to get out there. Um, You know, then there's two sides to this where you really have to think about what you're putting out there. Is it on brand? So for me, as an example, I talk about leadership and I stay pretty clear on that path. For me to talk about baseball would be very, it would look like somebody just tweeted for me. (laughs) It's just not what I talk about. So make sure it's on brand. And I also tell my 25-year-old cousins where, you know, they put sometimes inappropriate things on Facebook. And as an employer, I will find that and Mm -hmm. I will see it. So, you know, making sure you're thoughtful about your social media. One, that it's on brand. Two, that it really makes you look the best to the outside world. You know, and three, everybody's watching. You know, it's not something that you can necessarily hide behind and, you know, make sure it's what you would really want other um, professionals or other uh, potential employers to see about you. Mm-hmm. And it's not just LinkedIn anymore. LinkedIn at a minimum. Right. But, they're, you know, employers are now looking at Twitter and Facebook yes. and, you know, more increasingly Instagram and YouTube, depending on your industry. And, you know, one of the things that has become a, a big um, no-no, if you will, is uh, political comments and political statements, which, you know, even just liking or retweeting or, you know, a, a statement that can potentially be viewed as negative will cause a a recruiter or an employer to just knock you out of the running. And if you think people aren't looking, they are. That's right. It's so true. And, you know, I had this uh, executive at uh, at Cisco who really actually did want to make it to the C-suite. He had high aspirations, really wanted to make it to the top. And I was looking at some of his tweets and some of his LinkedIn posts, and they were all political in a very negative way. And I was really trying to dig deeper to see, well, what else is he tweeting about or what else is he talking about on social media? And there really wasn't much else. It was all political. Um, So I had a nice little chat (laughs) and said, let's think about this now. You want to make it to the top of an organization that, you know, you really need to think about your brand and what you're actually discussing out there in the world. And this looks 
like you're very negative. It looks just disrespectful at times. So it really made him think, and he did change what he's talking about on social media. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you've got a question about social media or wonder if what you're putting out there is helping or hurting your job search, you can give us a call on Career Talk 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here talking with Cassandra Frangos, who wrote the book, Crack the C-Suite Code, talking about all things career and advancement. And I've actually heard, Cassandra, that, that things like community service and volunteering can boost your profile. So if you're missing some of those on your LinkedIn or, or you're missing some of those on your social media, that might be something to consider. 844-WHARTON, 844 942-7866. So, you know, what do you think of some of the newer hiring pro- processes that are coming out around one-way video interviewing and now that people are doing interviews via text? And, you know, this is kind of all along the lines of, of progress, but I'm, I'm curious uh, as somebody who is in the, you know, executive search world, you know, what, what kind of credibility these have? I think they have a, a lot of credibility. First, you start with video. And that's also thinking through your brand. How you come across on video or even how you come across on the telephone is very important. And, you know, at Cisco, obviously, we had uh, technology for video, and we really thought about it a lot. You know, it's very simple things that you can think about in terms of your own brand, where if your office is a mess, as an example, and you're on video, and this could be your home office uh, if you're being interviewed, you know, think about that. What what kind of brand does that show for you? Maybe you come across disorganized, even though you're not, but your office behind you on video looks a mess. Um, or you don't even have great sound quality on your phone. That can also be a, a distraction. Uh, so thinking through just all the elements that make you the best professional you can be on video and on, on the phone. The other thing, you know, text and even some of these other mediums where they're trying to get your quick response, you know, that is something where you asked me earlier, what are some of the things that have changed in 2018? I think that's something that's even more prominent in 2018. Being a quick thinker, uh, being able to think on your feet, that is something that is so important for any professional to be thinking about. I wrote about that in the book where a lot of executives said, if you're not reinventing yourself all the time and thinking about how to get yourself quick thinking, fast response. Um, We're very impatient in this world in 2018, so really making sure that you meet some of those standards is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're getting interviewed by text or, you know, having to put up an Instagram or, or just thinking through a quick, something very quick to get a response, you have to be a quick thinker and fast on your feet. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit more because um, the whole idea of reinventing yourself, I think, is really interesting. And then I'm, I'm curious if some of these practices are maybe, you know, kind of biased against certain generations. I'm thinking myself. <laughs> if I got a text about a job, I I would yeah. think that's just odd. But, but first, we're going to go to Lee in New York City. Um, actually, we're not going to go to Lee in New York City just yet. But <laughs> so let's talk about reinventing yourself um, and and these ideas. So so generationally, if I got a text from somebody about a job, that would seem odd to me. So so are these? Do you think biased towards the younger generations? I think that it it depends also on the organization. So I don't know that it's uh, biased towards generations, but. If you're going to work for a fast startup or a a tech organization, they might have some of these more non-traditional practices uh, where they might say, post something on Snapchat or let's let's text about this. Uh, They're a little bit more freeform in making sure they, they come up with some more innovative ways that are faster. Um, but if you were to go to work for a financial services organization or so, you know something more traditional, they may not be texting you, <laughs> as an example, for any generation. So I think it depends on company culture more than generation. Um, but every generation has to be comfortable with this. You know, there's the social media front uh, is also uncomfortable sometimes 
for different generations. So thinking through how to get comfortable with where the world is going in terms of reinvention. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit more because I think you're right. This is so important. And, you know, we're all just getting used to being on social media and LinkedIn and, you know, now Facebook and Twitter and, and the self-promotion thing, which never used to be a part of our world as, as professionals. Um, so part of the reinvention process that we need to be considering is learning these new technologies and being open to different ways of getting hired and managing our careers. What are some, you know, what are some other ways that you've seen, you know, people as they're progressing in their careers need to reinvent themselves, Cassandra? I think really looking at your skill set and asking yourself, is this something that will be transferable or something that will stay with me for the next five to 10 years? You know, as an example, I woke up this morning thinking about your show, Don, and I thought, okay, there actually was a skill that I had uh, when I was in high school and college that is no longer relevant. So I was a bank teller, and I could count money so fast <laughs> because I, was, I had lots of lines in the bank, and I wanted to make sure I was accurate and always making sure that I had the precise uh, drawer count at the end of the day. And now if I think about just the world and that skill, that skill is irrelevant for me right now. Um, Me counting money fast, I actually don't even carry cash anymore. (laughs) So that is irrelevant for me. So if you stop and think about that, really what are some of the skills and the ways of working that will be important for the future? Um, And if I was a bank teller right now, I would be thinking through all right, how do I make sure that I'm thinking about Bitcoin? What does that mean for the future? Mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that I can be thinking about technology and financial services? Um, so it's just really thinking through what's going to be the most important. And you and I will probably have to relearn a completely different social media platform in a few years because maybe Twitter and LinkedIn won't be as, as dominant as they are today, although I, I don't see them fading. But there will be a whole new way that we'll need to learn technology. Yes. And and I will say it's a little overwhelming, I think, and exhausting for people to hear this who've been working in their career that, that this has to be a part of your day-to-day career management. But it really does, Cassandra, because if you if you have, you know, a future in the in the in the work world and you know you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, these are the things that are going to keep you agile and viable as a candidate and have those opportunities. So hey, if you have some questions about how to reinvent yourself, or maybe you have some great strategies of how you've reinvented yourself, give us a call 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Cassandra Frangos, the author of Crack the C-Suite Code, and I think we've got Lee back on the phone. Lee, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, good, good morning. Good afternoon. Um, I, my question is about an earlier comment that was made about trying to keep uh, political views off of social media. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking for a person in a career that uh, political activism is important, for example, environmental or a uh, person involved in utilities, utility regulation or, or, or non-regulation, wouldn't it be appropriate in some well-couched fashion to express their experience or their own views? Oh, interesting. So we, we are talking in broad terms, but uh, Cassandra Lee's talking about in more specific terms. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think it absolutely, if you're in that line of work or it makes sense for what you're doing, it absolutely in the right context, it can make sense. It's just a matter of are you comfortable with everybody reading that view and uh, does it show the best, your best self? Um, so I think it, it does vary across organizations. If you're, in the gov- if you're a government employee, for example, what you write about uh, political statements and all of that, you are working for the government, so you have to think about that. But if you are in that line of work, absolutely makes sense. Yeah, and and I also think um, it depends on you know how negative it is and polarizing and and you know kind of th- the language you use. I would think that makes a difference. And then you make a good point, Cassandra, especially because you work with a lot of people in the C-suite, so executives and CEOs. And I would imagine that you really can't disconnect your your personal side from your representation of the company. Is that true? Absolutely. If you're an executive with, a com- with the company, you are representing yourself and the company. Uh, there's no longer a separation. I think 
even the statement work-life balance has become old. It's work-life integration uh, and also authentic leadership has become much more in the forefront where we spend so much of our time at work that you know, it's too exhausting to be one person at work and another person at home. So you really have to think about integrating all these pieces and your own personal views sometimes if it doesn't show well for your company or it's just something that uh, doesn't make sense for you uh, professionally, then I would just say maybe keep it to your dinner conversation. Yeah, and I think it's interesting with social media, Cassandra, because I don't know about you, but sometimes you, you you can post something and you're sitting in your living room and you know, you're in your pajamas, whatever, and you're posting it and it doesn't really feel very public. Like it is, but it doesn't. And, and so mm-hmm. I think it's important to realize, you know, I, I was looking at my friends list the other day. I don't even know some of these people <laughs> and who they're right. connected to. And, and, you know, I had to stop and think like, like, wow, I don't really know who I'm posting some of this stuff to. And I, I think that's where the danger comes in is that we we just kind of get so comfortable with it and we don't realize it's out there and it's out there forever. So, so Lee, I agree. I think the general rule of thumb is, you know, certainly um, if it's something that you'd be okay with your your uh, your family or being or maybe somebody said this to me, if you're if you're comfortable saying it on the on the stand in front of a judge, <laughs> then you can, you know, <laughs> then it's probably safe to do. Great point, Lee. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, and we're going to go to Lori in Baltimore. Lori, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hi. So I'm, I'm interested in understanding how well would reinvent themselves after a merger. Um, I work for a tra- more of a traditional company. And we've recently merged with a, um, a company that has a leadership team that feels much more like a startup. And I'm just, you know, it just seems like, you know, if we purchase a company like that, then we're much more interested in that kind of culture. And so how would someone who's traditionally, you know, who's worked for a more traditional company sort of begin to look at reinventing themselves with this new culture um, coming on board? Oh, interesting. So, Lori, what, what role do you hold in the company? Um, an individual contributor. Okay, so um, looking for upward mobility. Okay, in the organization. So you're looking to to be promoted, and so you were acquired by more of a startup culture. So so we are just talking about reinvention, Cassandra, and and this is a great example because I think at any point in time, what we know is companies merge or companies are acquired, or you know CEOs leave and new leadership is brought in, or you know products bottom out or layoffs happen. So I think being ready to continuously reinvent yourself when when these things happen is important. What advice do you have for Lori? Yeah, Lori, it's such a great question and a common dilemma that many, many people face. Um, And it's one of those also self-reflection questions. Do you like the way the culture is moving? Does it fit for you? So there's always an evaluation going on in your mind. Does the culture really help you thrive? And is it really utilizing all of your strengths? And is it really at your best? Um, where, you know, some people really think about, well, I don't really like the the new culture, or I'm not sure I love the way it's going. So then they make different decisions. But if you, it sounds like you actually like the startup culture feel and it's, and it's exciting for you. What I would suggest is finding a few key players in the new culture and learning from them. Ask them, I'd love to learn more about how you work. What are some of the daily practices you have? What are some ways that you keep yourself learning? And just almost be endlessly curious with them about everything that you want to learn about. And quickly you can figure out ways that you can reinvent yourself or ways that you can get on board with the new culture or add value. I think that uh, that's, that will really set you apart because not enough people do that. I've, you know, I've been in uh, situations where I've, you know, been part of acquiring companies or been acquired and, you know, people get sort of scared when there's some of that work happening and they just put their head down and do some work. But if you lift your head up and say, I just want to learn everything I can about this new culture and the new leadership team and just, you know, really be a sponge for what they have to offer and even ask them advice. What are some new ways I can contribute? What are some new ways I can work? That will be tremendously helpful. 
Yeah, I don't know. You've had experience with this, too. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think it's about um, everything you just said about being curious and, you know, being involved and finding ways to get involved. Because I think in part, like you said, it's a personal decision, Lori, if you like this new culture, if this is what you want. And I think that's that's going to take some some self-reflection, as Cassandra said. But um, the best way to do that is I always say clarity comes through action. So getting involved and meeting new people and seeing what's out there and getting known in the new company, because chances are that you know you don't know a lot of people is your new boss or do you have a new boss and is that person part of the new company how, how is that configured Lori so the um the reporting structure that my direct manager is the same but the executive leadership above my direct manager has changed Okay. So that leadership is under the new organization. Okay, yeah. And and I think people tend to shy away from sometimes the ambiguity, as Cassandra was saying. And I think it's one of those things where you just have to dive in head first because as they're figuring things out, you need to be figuring things out for you because you might decide, hey, I, you know, this isn't for me um, after, you know, trying it out. Or you may decide there's something, there's something different. I think it's an opportunity. And if you are curious and go into it looking for the opportunity, you're going to find a lot of different things that maybe you can't see right now. Was that helpful, Lori? That was extremely helpful. I really thank you guys for answering my question. Well, we wish you all the best. Um, and thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Dr. Perlow in California. Doctor, how can we help you today? Thank you for taking my call. I love your show. I oh, love thank you. Show. I am an OBGYN, and um, I've been in practice for 20 years. I'm 58 years old, and I'm constantly reinventing myself. I mean, the re- the term reinvention is kind of uh, difficult for me to, like, explain to people because um, it's really that the curiosity you guys are talking about is just, like, changing, like, all the time. Like, it's just, like, like maintaining that is sometimes really difficult in an environment that kind of suppresses you and doesn't want you to, like, go outside the box. And so for me, I refer a lot of my patients to your show because um, I tell them, you know, listen to this thought pattern that Dr. Graham has all the time. It's like the thought pattern is don't be intimidated. I get a lot of girls that are 22 to 24 years old, fresh out of college, and they don't know what to do with themselves. And they're like looking for something and they feel like they, they feel they can't reinvent themselves. It's very difficult. And, um, And then I just have them listen to your show because they just kind of get like, I'm like, just go to this show and listen to this. Like, you'll get motivated to, like, be more positive about what you can do and look at your strengths and not your weaknesses. Because they feel like, I'm young. I look like I'm 15. Nobody's going to hire me. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You, You just have to, like continually be learning things and um and they do that they really do it's it's amazing well first off thank you so much for listening to the show and certainly for telling others about it that makes us so excited and we very much appreciate it secondly i think you know as somebody in the medical profession it's so interesting because on the one hand as as a consumer of that i would be hoping people reinvent themselves in that profession but it's not one that we talk about a lot so so tell us what are some of the things you do dr perlo to to really reinvent yourself in in this type of profession especially as a woman like you you said because um, you know is 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 medical still a male dominated profession? Um, well, I'm an OBGYN, so uh, we're kind of we're kind of still mixed. We have um, men and women, but mostly, uh, I mean, in, in my little area of you know Tarzana Hospital, um, we have um, still I would say kind of half and half women, which is pretty uh, pretty common across the board, um, but. Um, I think that um, as you get older, I'm 58 years old, and when you're 58 years old, you're like, you've been in, I've been in practice for 20 years. So I've seen people go through birthing their babies, being like 16, 17, 18, the 18 year olds, you know, they go to college at four pap smears and then they're done, you know? So um, I get to guide them through all of that, then getting married and having a baby. And then after that, having a baby and raising your child and getting to be 16 and 18 and 20. And then those kids are now having kids. And um, I just feel like um, you, you cannot help, but if you care about human beings, which is what this profession is about, then you cannot help yourself but reinvent yourself continually because you're constantly learning from your patients. 
um, in addition to yourself. So you yourself are aging and like getting wiser and not letting people like put you down in ways that in the past you couldn't cope with and now you can. So I, I just feel like it's uh, it just has to be that way. You have to, as a physician, be somebody who listens and learns every single day. And that's what that that to me, I feel like is the beauty of in my world. I'm in private practice and, and in my world, I don't get suppressed. So I used to work for a company that um, would say, you know, Perlo, you're taking too much time with this patient. Get out of the room. And um and now I'm in private practice, and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah, so Dr. Perlow, I mean, one of the things, that, I mean, it's well said, and one of the things I want to pull from from what you said it, that is so important is that self-reflection piece. And I think, you know, Cassandra, you and I were talking about mm-hmm. social media earlier, and yeah. I think because of that, I mean, we don't have any time now for self-reflection. I mean, even in an, in an elevator when, you know, we used to actually just stand there and look at the wall or something. I mean, we're on our phones constantly, and, and having that, that time or making that time, I should say, to self-reflect and say, hey, what have I accomplished and where are my gaps and what do I need to do and what's changing in the world? And really just thinking through that is something we rarely make time for anymore. So I, I want to pull that out of what you're saying, Dr. Perlow, because I think that's mm-hmm. so important. And I'm, I'm so excited you called the show to remind our listeners about that, because I think when you stop and reflect on that, those opportunities emerge. I mean, you're, yeah. it's, it's shocking, right, Cassandra? I know. It's a, and I love, I love this conversation, Dr. Perlow. I think it's so important where you've also really learned from your patients. And I think that's so important because as your patients are evolving, you're thinking about how to evolve your practice. As an example, my doctor, you know, is evolving uh, as well. And I can see her doing that where, you know, she'll do a test and then she knows I travel all the time and it's really difficult for me to come back in for her to just tell me the test result. So she's actually adapted video. And so she'll give me the results uh, through video now, which is great. And she says, oh, my goodness, you pushed me outside my comfort zone. <laughs> I don't even know how to use this Skype thing. And, you know, she's messing with uh, the buttons and all that. But it was a great way where she really listened to her patients uh, like you did. And then even for, you know, different professions, listening to customers pushes you outside of your comfort zone. And if you're not evolving with your customers or patients, then you do become irrelevant. So I think it's a wonderful example. Great reminders. Thank you so much for giving us a call, Dr. Perlo. We really appreciate it. And thank you for being out there reinventing yourself in this very, very important field. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And you're listening to SiriusXM channel 111 we're going to go to our pre-break quiz right now quiz there's a quiz yes there's a quiz okay here it is the best way to remember a commercial jingle or song is to listen to it this way the best way to remember a commercial jingle or song is to listen to it this way. Think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM, Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are in business radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We are here today with Dr. Cassandra Frangos, who is the former vice president of Global Executive Talent at Cisco and currently at Spencer Stewart, one of the top executive search firms and author of the new book, Crack the C-Suite Code. So, Cassandra, how can people reach you for more? information? You can go on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm happy to chat and learn more about you and love to, I always love engaging in conversation. My direct email is also on LinkedIn, so you can do that way as well. And I'm guessing your book is available on Amazon and it is, yep. Yeah. All of these fun places, crack the C-suite code. So we're going to dive right back into calls. And again, we're taking your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Dr. Wenrick in Texas, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hello. Hello. Okay, you found me. <laughs> you found me. 
Okay, I am a serial reinventor. Ooh. And in, as a matter of fact, I'm a, I also, during one of my inventions, was an OBGYN for 25 years, like your last uh, uh, speaker. So you're a serial reinventor. What does that mean, Dr. Winrick? I'm on about career number nine. I actually retired before I went to medical school. Okay. So you're career to, number I, nine. And, yep. And, okay. Tell us about that. And, well, uh, I started out as a, as a consulting engineer, first thing out of college. I hated, the, hated it. Went back to school to become a teacher. Took my education credits. And while I was student teaching, I was sitting in the faculty room with my mentor teacher, and he was complaining about his job. He hated this. He hated that. So I asked him, if you don't like what you're doing, why don't you do something else? And he looked up at me very sadly, and he said, this is the only thing I know. And I decided at that moment that I would never be in that position. So I have serially, as, as I grew into a job and through a job, I would leave that and, and go into something completely different. This is great. I, went- I, I want to I tap into this because actually one of the things that Cassandra and I were planning to talk about is, you know, what happens when you're going up the ladder and you realize at some point you're on the wrong ladder or you're never on the right ladder to begin with. Um, so... So making a switch, some of the big switches you've made, is, is pretty tough. So, so what's your secret sauce, Dr. Winrick? What, what's don't the, ever what's, be afraid. Don't ever be afraid. I, I mean, I don't think I could say it better. Don't I ever, love that. <laughs> don't, I mean, Cassandra, you've, you've seen this, especially uh, working with the leaders that you've worked with. I mean, sometimes we just get out on the wrong ladder and we do well and we're rewarded and all of a sudden we find 15, 20 years into our career that this is not the right ladder. And like Dr. Wenrick's former colleague, y- you think, well, this is it. This is all I know how to do. But, you know, how can people who find themselves there and change that, Cassandra? Yeah, and I love the advice, don't be afraid, because it's so true. I mean, I think sometimes what holds us back and many who want to stay on one path and then change, you know, it's just, it, it does take courage to do it. Um, and it's just a matter of really thinking through what do you love to do and what's going to make you happy. That's the other thing I think that we've all evolved to is, you know, life is short and we have to spend a lot of time at work. And if you don't love what you're doing um, or it's just no longer exciting, maybe it was exciting at one point, but now it's not, then switch directions, change, uh, have the courage to start a whole new profession or go back to school. Um, and, you know, you can think about your whole career as different chapters, uh, as, you know, I think many executives have, where maybe the first chapter is really about teaching or the next chapter is about then in a corporation and then the next chapter is something else. So I, I would say just uh, – really take some risk, take some chances, and find what you love to do. And maybe it was something you loved to do at one point, and then it's no longer exciting. So just keep making sure you're really really reaching your fullest potential and you're happy doing it mm-hmm. um, because we have to go to work a lot. And, you know, it does take up a fair amount of time. So you should love it. So I'm curious, Dr. Wenrick, um, because one of the things that when you make a career change, like you've done nine times now, you have to convince somebody to roll the dice on you. You have to convince somebody that even though you don't have a traditional career path, that you can do the job. What is your strategy for doing that? Well, number one, I don't work for anybody else. <laughs> ah, okay. So then you just skip that step. I, I, I'm, I'm starting two new business. I'm 65 years old. I'm starting two new businesses this year, both completely out of my comfort zone. Um, I, I'm starting a, a, a business where I am consulting with new doctors to teach them how to go into practice, which nobody else in the country is doing. And I'm also, in, in response to the opioid epidemic, uh, partnering with a neurologist and opening up a string of uh, non-narcotic headache and pain clinics. I'm doing those both this year. 
So I want to pull something out of what you just said, because I think it really relates to what Cassandra and I have been talking about in terms of reinvention is that you're you're taking skills that you've gained through other professions. So, I mean, your your medical skills, your teaching skills, and you're applying them in a new way through through your reinvention. But the other thing is you're looking at the market space. And I think this is something that not everybody does or they forget to do is looking at what's going on in the market and how does that create an opportunity for you. So obviously, the opioid epidemic is something that's been in the news a lot. And you're saying, okay, here's an opportunity that I can take my skills and let me think about how to apply that. So, I mean, I I think those are core things to reinvention as well as being open. This is one thing that I think Cassandra makes it hard for people to switch is, you know, making some sacrifices. I mean, sometimes when you make a switch, you have to step back in level or salary. And I think it's, it's some of those things that are based in fear, like Dr. Wenrick was saying, that prevent us from doing that. But what, what is your experience in that, Cassandra? I mean, when people make a switch, is there, is there a lot of loss that comes with that in terms of those perks? Sometimes, absolutely, uh, it does. And it doesn't always have to, but sometimes you could start off safer. Uh, maybe it's a switch within a company you're already established in. So it could be going a whole new path in your current company. Um, and maybe you don't have to take that big of a drop in salary, but you might take a drop in level. Uh, so you have to work your way back up. And it's around an environment where people really know you. So it's it's a little bit safer. So that could be, you know, a half a step that you could do it that way. Um, or, you know, I've met many entrepreneurs uh, like Dr. Winwick who say, what's the unmet need in the market? Mm-hmm. And you have a skill that actually uh, people would pay money for and you could start a business around this. Um, in my book, I actually had a whole chapter around founders where they were at a certain level inside a larger company and they said, you know, I'm not really loving this big company idea anymore and I have skills and value to offer, so I'm going to step out and actually start my own business. And quite a few of them talked about they actually did need a bit of financial backing and security before they did that. Um, So that was something that they just felt was important. They had to be financially stable before they did it. Um, So they did stay at their jobs maybe a little bit longer than they wanted just to build that financial security. Um, Others said, you know what, they just took the risk and, and said, I'm sure it will work. <laughs> and they had uh, some mentors and some first clients who could help them. So it's a matter of where you are in your own personal uh, security level, what you feel comfortable with. Some are really comfortable with just making the leap and and you might take a step back financially or in level. And then others really just need something uh, of security to feel that they can do it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wenrick, you are an inspiration. Thank you for calling and reminding our listeners that anything is possible. And you you remind me of a quote that I love, which life begins outside of your comfort zone. So, hey, if you're thinking about reinventing yourself or doing something new, you just need to take that step outside your comfort zone and you'd be surprised at what's available out there. Thank you so much, Dr. Wenrick. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We're taking your calls right now at 844 Wharton, 844 I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we're here with Cassandra Frangos, who is the author of the new book, Crack the C-Suite Code. And we are going to go to Lisa in Florida. Welcome to the show, Lisa. What's on your mind today? Thank you. Um, Well, I'm in sort of a dilemma because I am still with a full-time regular job, and I also have a business on the side that is growing. Um, I haven't done any social media with that company because um, I can't let people know that I'm doing this outside of my regular job. There's been a legal document that's passed out, a memo. We have to disclose if we have additional income. So that's the reason why I can't really put my face out there. My marketing team is telling me everyone loves a story. They want to know how the business started so we can continue to grow. And that is my next step from a marketing standpoint. What do I do when I'm trying to shift and reinvent myself, let go of the old, which is my current job, and move forward to the new that is much more satisfying? Ooh, you're in that pivot point, that point of do you jump all in or do you do you play it safe? This is a really interesting question, actually very on par for what we've been talking about this whole time. Cassandra, what advice do you have for Lisa? 
Yeah, and I can appreciate the dilemma, absolutely. And uh, some of the entrepreneur founders that I was telling you about um, that I wrote about in the book have the same dilemma. And, you know, they were starting their businesses or had the idea while they were still in their company. And, you know, a few of them said, I was waking up in the morning just not excited or I didn't have butterflies in my stomach about what was going to happen that day in the office. And they knew that was the moment that I just have to take the risk and step out and put my full energy into the new business. Um, so they, it was more, I would say, emotional feeling for them where they just knew this is the moment I need to do it. And they had a ton of support uh, around them to make sure that they were successful. Uh, so I think that it's wonderful that you've already had, you know, success and making sure that you've got things set up and then you could really step out and put your full energy into this. So I think it's something you'll have to soul search a little bit about in terms of how comfortable do you feel financially, how comfortable do you feel stepping out of the company. Um, you could also set a three-month plan for yourself to say, you know, until I reach some of these milestones, I won't feel comfortable with stepping out of the company. So there could be some ways that you can keep ramping up. And then once you've hit some of those milestones, maybe you'll feel more comfortable. But I would say whatever gives you the confidence to do it, it sounds like you're you're on the verge of doing it, and you've, you're far ahead than most people. Some people even just have an idea and step outside of their company, and they try to make a go of it. So you're already way ahead of and Lisa, the one thing that stuck out to me about what you said is that at the end of of your question, you just talked about. I mean, this is this is what your is exciting to you. This is your path. I mean, you 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 said that with a lot of confidence that you know that this entrepreneurial path um, and this company that you've built is where your heart is. And so I think it's important to to remember that because you know I, I'm I'm not going to to say that just follow your passion and the money will come. I mean, it's it's certainly not that simple. And I think Cassandra had a lot of practical things that are really important to think about. But knowing that that's your guide, that's going to really help you to be successful in this in this next step. So Lisa, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. And best of luck. I feel like you're on the verge of, of big things yeah. that are happening. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited to hear. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here with Cassandra Frangos, who is the author of the new book, Crack the C-Suite Code. And I think we need to answer our pre-break quiz because it's kind of fun. All right. So the best way to remember a commercial jingle or song or anything, actually, is to listen to it this way and Dion Dion who got the pre-break quiz correct last week if you missed it go back and listen to that show it's on <laughs> iTunes and Google Play all right I'm going for I'm, I'm going for uh, two weeks in a row yep let's do it listen with your eyes closed Ooh, listen to it with your eyes closed no, but I like that answer. I liked it too. Yeah, I mean, maybe it works. We'll have to do a study on that, and we'll revisit this. This could I really be... felt confident about that. Yeah, Patty, Patty. Um, I would think um, attaching it to a visual idea. Ooh. So maybe seeing like some people have different ways of learning. Yes, that's so, true. So um, just come putting an image on it. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I like that one too. That's that again could be true. That's <laughs> that's not the answer mm. for this one. Cassandra, do you have an answer? For the pre-break quiz, the best way to remember a commercial jingle or song is listen to it this way. I was gonna say with your eyes closed. <laughs> See, <laughs> now that makes me think I'm actually. I think your your quiz answer is wrong. It could be wrong. It really could be wrong because I feel like now we have two out of three. So, um, well. Okay, so the answer that I was looking for was the best way to remember is to listen to it interrupted or unfinished because there's something called the Zygernick effect, which is the natural tendency to remember unfinished things better. So Zygernick's findings revealed that participants were able to recall details of interrupted tasks 90% better than those that they've been able to complete undisturbed. So the reason is the desire for your brain to to you know finish something is so powerful that it helps you remember and if you think about a jingle think about a commercial jingle this makes sense because you know if, if somebody said we are farmers we're going to do Dion Dun, 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 yeah, dun. It's, so it really <laughs> makes a lot of sense. So the cool thing about this, if you're getting ready for an interview, maybe, and you're you're trying to kind of work those answers into your brains, you know, review them and then interrupt yourself and then, you know, go back and it'll become second nature. And of course, if you're uh, trying to what? I'm just really glad that 
uh, that you pick one that I actually knew. Yeah, because <laughs> that could have turned out poorly. Well, I actually, I actually looked at a lot. I actually did some research on the the top most annoying commercial jingles. Um, Dion, do you have one? The one that's like, like, what about like Stanley Steamer? You must know that one. Uh, I'm not about to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Mentos, I Mentos. I I remember Mentos. All right. oh, I can't think of what it is now, but yeah, it it definitely stuck in there for a while. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a couple of them. There's a, Cassandra. Do you have any of those jingles that just you can't get out of your head? One I found was Oscar Mayer, which now this was going back to 1973. Um, <laughs> Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Yeah, see, see, but you remember. So anyway, the Zygernick effect. Look it up if you're trying to remember something. Interrupt yourself. You'll remember it better. That's our that's our PSA today. Eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We're here with Cassandra Frangos, author of Crack the C Suite Code, and talking all about how to reinvent yourself in the workplace. So, so Cassandra, as we're kind of coming to a close for today, um, you know, we've talked a lot about reinvention and what if you're going up the wrong ladder. You know, what about if if you know you've made kind of a big mistake at work, you know, or you you've you've been laid off or you've been you've been taking jobs at a lower level because you've been struggling to find work. How do you reinvent yourself from that? Yeah, I think uh, you know, there's not one right answer to that question, but you know, I do think that you would need to really show some successes after a failure. Um, I know that it's always hard to swallow a failure, but failure is actually becoming much more accepted and actually a way of learning and reinvention right now. Uh, so it's much more of an experimentation type world where, you know, let's try this idea. Maybe it won't work or maybe you failed um, in a product launch. Pick yourself back up and Actually, many of the entrepreneurs that I've talked to said they all experienced some failure in their career, and many top executives as well who stayed with companies for a long time said they've experienced failure, and that's where they learn the most. Uh, So I would say don't feel so bad about the failure or something that didn't work because it was probably your greatest learning. Um, And so it's turning that failure into a learning And if it's also where, you know, maybe you've been laid off or something didn't work, I would say show some track record now um, in terms of staying with a company for a few years. I will say, you know, working in a search firm, when we see resumes where, you know, everybody has a one-year job or maybe a less than two-year job, that's sometimes a red flag for recruiters because they're not sure how you get the longevity or what successes you could prove. So, so long as you have a story that you can tell about what success you have had in some of those roles and how you overcame a failure, then you've got a great way to start your track record and make sure that you can get on the right path. Um, but it's a windy road at times, and no one, you know, or sometimes you look at CEOs that are famous around the world and you say, oh, I bet you they had a perfect, um, a perfect straight line to the top. None of them did. Mm-mm. I can tell you that absolutely none of them did. No, none of them have. And and I think it kind of goes with our theme today. I mean, I think people can be so afraid of failure that they, they refuse to step out of their comfort zone. And I think that's a different type of failure because you kind of keep yourself in a bubble or a box and you don't learn the next level of skills or you don't test yourself and, and see what you're really capable of. And so you know that that's a different kind of failure altogether. So, hey, what did we learn today? We learned that life happens outside of your your comfort zone. Step out, take a risk. Don't let fear control you. You can reinvent yourself at any time and any stage of your career. And you know, thank you so much, Cassandra, for that that wonderful advice uh, for all of our listeners. And congratulations on your new book, Crack the C Suite Code. Where can people learn mo- more about you and your book? Thank you so much. Uh, So you can learn more. Uh, As I said, go to LinkedIn. There's some links that take you to a website or Wharton Digital Press website has more about the book and more about my background. Awesome. So you've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'd like to thank Dion Simpkins and Patty McMahon for making the show run so smoothly. And of course, to all of our callers and listeners, we're here for you each week. So join us next time on Career Talk. We're here every Thursday, Sirius XM Channel 111. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. We'll see you next time.